All right. Praise God and good morning. It's uh, it's starting to get a little bit warm outside, so it's starting to look like springtime, at least here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, We had some some really good weather uh, these past several days, so it was nice to see the sun shining and uh, it's it's the time to try to get the grass back in order and all of that stuff to try to get some good green grass growing outside. So it's always nice to be out there. Well, I shouldn't say it's nice to be out there doing yard work, but it's nice to have your thoughts with you while you're out there doing some yard work and uh, just get a chance to, to, to listen to what God's got to say. Um, and it's, a, it's for me anyway, while I'm, out, while I'm out there doing that kind of work, it's, it's just kind of, I don't know, I can't describe it. You know, it's just one of those things when you're out there and you're kind of working with the soil and you're laying down grass seed and cutting the grass and doing all of those things. It's just amazing how God can just put a bunch of thoughts on you during that time and how peaceful it is and how nice it is. And I don't know if it has something to do with the fact that I'm messing with grass and it's green and God created the earth and everything like that. But it just seems like it opens up the door for um, him to be able to, to, to talk to me. Um, we heard the prophecy earlier today uh, about making sure that we, we're looking to, to, to trust God. And, um, and that's been a theme for a while um, and in the body of Christ all over. So not just here in this ministry, um, but I listen to other ministers as well. And it's just a theme, I think, all over the world, um, actually. Even some international ministers are, are, are preaching the same message, which tells you that the Holy Spirit is in operation and that there's things that God knows is coming. And he wants to make sure that, that his children um, are ready. And talking about taking our relationship with God to another level, um, it's difficult for, for Christians to do that. And we're actually going to talk about that today. That's going to be the, the central point of today's message. And when you think of becoming a Christian, I mean, it's pretty pretty simple, right? You, you accept Jesus Christ as, the Lord, as your Lord and Savior. You believe he's the Son of God and that he rose again and he died for our sins. Pretty, pretty simple. Well, it doesn't just stop there. You know, there, there's a belief that when you become saved, there's nothing else you have to do. You all, all everything's all done. Okay, great. Um, I can go back to doing what I'm doing. And from the perspective of salvation, while you you have your salvation and while you can't get your salvation taken away from you, that doesn't mean that that's it. It's done. I don't need to do anything else. Um, I can just go back to living the lifestyle that I was living before. Because if becoming saved just simply means, great, done, I don't have to do anything else, then why are we still on this planet? That means that God still has work intended for us. There's still things that he's wanting us to do. And so the game isn't over. Yes, we have our ticket to heaven, but there's things that we need to be doing while we're, while we're still here. Um, because if that wasn't the case, then God would have called us home um, already. We'd have had some massive raptures happening uh, pretty pretty frequently, Okay. Now, what Christians usually struggle with is once they've accepted Jesus, they start to struggle with, okay, I understand who God is. I know how powerful he is. And I, and I, and I'm, I'm struggling with faith a little bit there, you know? And then there's another aspect that they struggle with, and that's the Holy Spirit. And when, when you become saved, Holy Spirit is in you, but you also have to quote unquote activate the Holy Spirit so that you can allow him to guide you and lead you to get to this deeper walk with, this deeper walk with God. So today we're actually going to talk about what does it mean to to walk in the spirit and look at how do we bring Holy Spirit into our lives and how do we allow him to minister us? How do we allow him um, to to talk to us and how do we allow him to help us build this relationship with God and get that closer walk so that we can get to that deeper level? Because it's not just about becoming saved and then saying we're done. I don't have to do anything and I can live the life that I want to live. It's important that we recognize that as well, um, that we still have work to do. Because when people make a decision to become saved, oftentimes it started off with an interaction that they had with another individual. So if somebody is talking to you and you just happen to start talking about God, but then tomorrow or Friday night, Thursday night, what is it, Thirsty Thursday or something they call it um, in, in colleges now where everybody goes out drinking on Thursday nights and everything like that. If they see you going out drinking on Thursday night to the to the bar or going out to a club, why would they then convert over to becoming a Christian? If they see you living the lifestyle that they're living, why are they going to give up what they've already been doing to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and become a Christian. Well, what for? You're doing the same things that I'm doing. OK, so there's more to this than just um, than just becoming saved and thinking that, that 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 there's nothing else that I that I need to do. And John chapter 15, and we won't go there now, but you can write this down in John chapter 15. Um, and I believe we looked at that last week. Uh, Jesus talks about being the true vine nine times in those in those scriptures there in a, in a uh, series of those scriptures there. He says the word abide. 
nine times, abide in me and, and abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. So there's something there that Jesus is trying to say is this important that I, I, Jesus, I am living in you and that you are following and that you are following me. But then it also says that God is glorified through us bearing much fruit. Well, if you're not bearing fruit in your life, then how deep of a relationship do you have with God? And through that bearing of fruit, others will see those will see those things and they will start to make a decision about, hey, what are you doing so differently that I'm not doing? OK, and so it's important that we live in the life of, that, that God is wanting us to live. All right. But before we can get into that and before we can start really talking about how to walk in the spirit and, and understanding that there's there's a world beyond what we see, that there's more than meets the more than meets the eye. We've got to establish the fact that there actually is more than meets the eye. We have to establish the fact that there is a spirit world and that it is very real. And then if we don't acknowledge that and if we don't start operating in that in that world, if you will, then the Holy Spirit really can't operate in our lives. And we'll never get to that deeper level or that deeper understanding um, of God and have that deeper relationship. So let's build the foundation. We're going to start with a couple of familiar scriptures here. Turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And a good question all Christians should, should ask themselves. If you if you look at God, right, we know that God is three parts, right? But he's one God with three parts. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, okay? A good question to ask yourself is, am I operating with all aspects of God in my life? Am I operating with God the Father and understanding who he is and having faith? Is Jesus really my Lord and Savior and do I, am I really going to be, am I really following him? And do I have the Holy Spirit in my life and am I actually allowing him to, to, to guide me? Um, those are critical questions as well because the word Christian, as we know, means Christ-like or follower of Christ, okay? When you become saved, if you're not supposed to change your lifestyle, the question you have to ask yourself is, is Jesus really living in me and am I living in him? Do I really love Jesus or do I not? Because if you really, really love Jesus, the question you got to ask yourself is, would I continue to do things that are going to upset him or make him angry if I truly, truly love him? So when you become saved, your lifestyle has to change because you should be going from doing things that are going to make him upset and make him angry to doing the things that please him. We all have people in our lives that we love and that we care for. If we truly love them, are we going to do things that are going to make them upset with us? Probably not. And so Jesus shouldn't be Jesus. We shouldn't treat Jesus any differently. OK, so let's first establish the fact that there are things around us that we do not see. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And we're starting in verse one. OK, now faith is the sub substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. OK, now faith or constant faith um, is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen for by it being meaning faith. The elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen, underline this, the things which were seen, which are seen were not made of things which are visible. OK, faith, faith is something that is invisible. OK, you can't measure faith. And the Bible says that I have given to every man the measure of faith, which means that no one person has more faith than the other. We all have the same measure of faith, whatever that measure looks like in God's in God's eyes. Everybody has the same level of faith. So you cannot measure somebody's faith. Now, obviously, actions and, and how you how you act and how you behave and the things you say when you're going through a trial or tribulation will determine whether or not you're actually using that faith. But that doesn't mean that you have any less faith than the next person because you're going through something for six months and the person went through something for only six days. OK, so you cannot you cannot measure faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. And while you're you're you're, you're operating in faith and you're waiting for God to, to 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 do his work or for it to be manifested in the physical realm, you got to understand that in the spirit realm, it's already done. OK, we heard it in a prophecy this morning. I have already done my work. I've already completed what I've done and what you've asked for has already been accomplished. It's already completed. We just have to wait for it to manifest itself um, in the physical world. So understanding that it, it that it has been completed. Verse three there. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. This pulpit that's up here. The floor, the clothes you have on, the roof, the building, the chairs you're sitting in, all of this, everything that's been in existence is made from things that aren't visible. OK, 
You can't see somebody's thought. You can't measure anybody's thought. So everything that's been in existence started with even just a thought of planting that in a, that seed into somebody's mind. Hey, it'd be a good idea to make some chairs. And so, oh, okay, yeah, all right, let me start off with a design and, and let me get the materials. Let me put this together. How much am I going to charge? Where am I going to sell it? All of that stuff, all of this stuff that's created, it starts off first with a thought, something that you can't see, okay? Um, God plants the thoughts into somebody's head. They turn that into an actual idea, and then it turns into some sort of product or some sort of service. So, again, it's made from things which are, which are not visible, okay? So when God created the earth and he created everything that's in existence, it didn't start with something that you can actually see. It was just God saying, you know, what, I'm going to create this bang. He says it and it's and it's actually completed. OK, we all know that there's molecules and things that are around us. But even with an electron microscope and high power microscopes, you can see those things. There's no instrument that's going to show you the actual spirit world. OK, only God can reveal those things to you. So we have to understand that as we're sitting here, even today, there's all sorts of activity that's happening and around us. That's not that's not visible. All right. Um, turn down your Bibles to Colossians 1. And let's start in verse... Let's start in verse 13. Colossians 1, verse 13. I'm going to wait for everyone to get there. Okay. Colossians 1, verse 13. Uh, Yeah. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. Underline that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for uh, and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things exist. At verse 616, the words that I want you to underline is visible and invisible. OK, because there again, we see the mention of things that we don't see. OK, we see um, things that are that are invisible. And then after that, we see whether thrones or dominions or principalities and, or powers. That we also know in Scripture, what Scripture talks about principalities and powers, right? And in Ephesians um, 6, verse 12, and you don't have to go there now, but you can write it down. But in Ephesians 6, verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this is further proof that there are things around us that we do not see and that we need to understand. Because if we are going to get into this deeper walk with God, if we're going to get into this next dimension with God or this next level with God, we do have to understand that the things that we face are not because of the physical things that we see or the experiences that we have. It's based off of things that are in the spirit world, the things that we cannot see. And we have to acknowledge that they exist, because if we don't acknowledge they they exist. It's no different than um, you going getting into a boxing match and trying to act like your opponent isn't across the boxing ring from you. If you just walk in there and say, oh, there's, there's nobody there, and you get hit in the face, you wake up in the hospital, and it's like, oh, how did I end up here? Well, you ignore your opponent that's in the other corner over there, okay? So if you start ignoring the fact that the spirit world exists, then the devil has got you. Because if you don't think the spirit world exists, why would you think that he exists? Okay? If you don't think the spirit world exists, then you're going to start to get frustrated when you see people say things that just don't make sense. I'm going to pull politics into this just just a little bit, but not I'm, I'm not endorsing any party or anything like that. But, and these are all things that you can see when you watch TV and you watch the news. But you have some people in very powerful positions that want to make policy on certain things. And when you listen to what they say, you, you you're left there scratching your head. Like, how does that even make any sense? What, what are you what are you really trying to accomplish? Why would you do this? Everybody knows common sense knows that if you implement this, here's what's going to happen. But they want to push it and push it and push it and push it. 
Well, that's because there's principalities and darkness in high places that are guiding these people to make these decisions. Okay, so when we can recognize that as Christians, then what we can do is we can step back and say, okay, I'm not going to get frustrated by it because it's not really that individual. That person has a will and they're choosing to 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 let their will be guided by something that's demonic. Okay, that's fine. No problem. But I know how to I know how to combat that. Okay, I know the word of God, so I'm not going to get frustrated over it when I go to bed at night. I'm going to lift them up in prayer. I'm going to rebuke those forces of darkness. I'm going to ask that God gets in there and that he guides the guides the individual the way that he wants to be guided. Okay, so, again, understanding that um, there are things that are invisible that we cannot be uh, that we cannot ignore, because as much as you like to ignore them, they're not going to go away. Okay. And let's look at one more scripture here just to establish the foundation and solidify this. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. And I can't stress enough how, how we, we, we cannot... Especially in the, in, the, in, the, in the times that we're living in now, we cannot afford to think that the devil isn't out there, that his demons aren't out there, and that they're operating more and more and they're trying to wreak more and more havoc because time is getting short. I can't stress enough how important it is for us as Christians to understand that there are forces of darkness that are at play trying to get us every single moment of the day. Spirits don't sleep. So that means even when you're asleep and you think that, okay, I I can get a break from this, this chaos, there is no break from the chaos. Not for those demonic forces, not for God's angels. They're constantly battling, constantly battling, constantly battling. And it's really, 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 really important that we that that we that we understand that because we cannot take this lightly. You know, this is not a sci fi movie. This is not the Twilight Zone or uh, or Marvel's Avengers or something like that. OK, this is this this is this is real life. I mean, and, and we're living it when we made the decision to say, OK, I'm going to follow God. What you signed up for was basically enlistment into this into this war that's going on. That's what you signed up for. Earlier, we heard about when you put your your hand to the plow, there's no turning back. When you sign that form, so to speak, saying, Lord, I'm going to follow you no matter what. And I'm going to invite Jesus into my life. What you said was I'm going to suit up with the with the with the the armor of God all day, every day and all and all all day, every day for the rest of my life until you call me home. Okay, that's what you signed up for. So we cannot take this lightly. And and we got to recognize that uh, the spirit world is absolutely without a doubt real. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter four, we're going to verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment underline that which is but but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Matter of fact, underline all of 17 for our light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. How many of you feel like the trials and tribulations you go through in life? How many of you guys forget that scripture right there for our light affliction? Okay. If you start thinking of your challenges as light afflictions and not this heavy burden that's got me dragging around. And what was that movie? Pilgrim's Progress, where he's got this big old burden on his back and it starts to grow and he's just kind of start moping around. And if you know anybody that, um, that has a kind of a woe is me attitude and they start going through things and they allow themselves to really get beat down. If you watch them over, over some time, you will see that their body does kind of start to curl up. They start to just become a little bit more frail and you see their faces start to get longer and there's more wrinkles start to show up. And, and you can tell that their, their attitude is just, I really don't want to deal with this anymore. I just want it to be over. And if they adopted a mindset, well, one, if they knew God, then they wouldn't be acting that way. But if they also adopted that scripture, therefore, it's our light affliction. You'd realize, like, you know what? Eh, this is nothing. It's going to take some time. But the end of that scripture there is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Eh, I can deal with this. OK, doesn't mean that it's going to feel good. It doesn't mean that you're not going to want it to hurry up and be over, but it brings you some rest and it brings you some peace knowing that God is working something. And I'm just going to sit back and wait for it, wait for it to show up no matter how long it might take. OK, I've heard athletes even say um, pain is temporary no matter how long it lasts. 
You know, I've heard other folks also say you got to make pain your friend, your friend. Anybody that's gone from like rags to riches, they'll say you got to make pain and and struggle and heartache your friend. And what they mean by that is you got to get so used to it because it's going to happen that it's not like you, you, you want it to happen. It's just that I'm used to it being around. So I'm not going to just fold up like a cheap suit, so to speak. I'm not going to just lay in bed because I don't want to deal with the challenges of the day. It's that. Yeah. okay. I'm used to some pain. I'm used to some struggle. Okay, I'm I'm going to get through it. Okay, and I know that through the pain and the struggle, um, I'm going to be better off in the in the long run. Okay, um, so picking up in verse, let's go back to verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are seen are, are unseen or not seen are eternal. Let me read that again. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If you don't have that underlined, underline that whole thing, circle it, highlight it, put stars next to it, whatever, whatever you want to do to make sure that it, that it stands out. Because there's a pretty powerful message right there in, the, in that statement. OK, that is everything that you look and that you see around you is not going to last forever. The things that you don't see is what's going to last forever. Okay, so the things of the spirit world are eternal. Um, The Bible says, you know, don't fear. Don't fear man, because what can man do to you? Right. The worst that a man can do is use to take your life. But the Bible also says fear he who can destroy the soul. Okay, and that's talking about God because he can destroy your soul in terms of um, final judgment. and, And you're not spending eternity in heaven and spending eternity in hell. But even then, your soul isn't. Destroyed as in it ceases to exist. It still exists, but it exists in eternal torment. And if you don't think that's true, you can look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus, okay? Where the rich man um, was, was dead and he saw Lazarus in, in Abraham's bosom. And he can, you can tell he was thirsty and whatever he was going through, he was feeling it because he asked Lazarus to dip his, water in, uh, dip his finger in water so that he can get a drop on his tongue to cool, okay? So the spirit is not going to ever, ever cease to exist. It's going to exist in one of two places. So either you're getting eternally tormented or you're going to be eternal joy and happiness that you've never experienced before. So it's important to understand that because the things that are not seen are eternal and the things that are that are seen are only temporary. Okay. So now that we've established that the spirit world is real and that the forces that are invisible that are around us that are um, that we need to make sure that we're, we're paying attention to. We've got to look at how do we activate, how do we allow, how do we utilize the Holy Spirit the way God wants us to. So we're going to look at a few roles that the Holy Spirit has in our lives that will help us get to this next dimension, if you will, of of becoming a Christian, of being able to have a a deeper walk with God, to be able to have more victories in our lives so that we can bear uh, much fruit, which God has intended for us. Okay. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is that he refreshes us and he gives us life. Turn to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, and we're going to just start in verse 11. And while you're turning there, I'll just talk about quickly talk about kind of the preceding verses. So the preceding verses there, um, God was giving Ezekiel a word and was asking him to prophesy to, to prophesy these words over uh, over the bones um, that were in the valley there. And as he, and as, he as he was doing such, the bones started to grow um, flesh and it started to grow blood. So we're just going to pick up a little bit um, later on because it's just a key, a, a few key verses that I want to focus on here. All right. So Ezekiel 37. Um, Verse 11. Uh, Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry and our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, all my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. Verse 14. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. And you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it 
and performed it, says the Lord. OK, so you see there in verse 14 underlined where it says, I will put my spirit in you um, and, and you shall live. OK, so one of the things the Holy Spirit does is, is that spirit gives us his spirit can give us some life. It can give us some 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 refreshing, some refreshment, if you will. OK, um, a good prayer to pray every so frequently, whether it's daily or throughout the day. Sometimes, depending on how my day is going, I've got to do it multiple times during the day is to ask God for a fresh infilling of Holy Spirit. OK, because that infilling then activates him in your life. And, I'll, and I'm going to give you some points at the end on some things that we can do to make sure that or that we should do to make sure we activate Holy Spirit. But as I'm doing that, what I find, though, is that now all of a sudden it really starts to renew my mind. Things start to look a little bit differently. My physical body starts to get um, get, get re- rejuvenated. Um, and I'll give you a perfect example. Just just yesterday on my lunch break. Um, Because I've been having to travel up to up to Portland every day this week. And just on my lunch break yesterday, I was struggling trying to get through get through work. So I decided I said, all right, I said I did did read my Bible a little bit in the break room. And I said, I need to close my eyes because I'm kind of tired. So I walked out to my car and closed the door and reclined the seat, set my alarm so I didn't sleep past my break. Um, and And I tried to close my eyes to take to take a nap there. And I started to fall asleep, but it wasn't enough to actually rejuvenate me. So I got out the car and I said, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. So I just simply said, I said, Lord, I said, give me a fresh feeling of your Holy Spirit for strength so I can make it through this day. I've got a long drive home this evening. Help me to make that drive without any problem. Before I even walked through the door, all of a sudden I got this huge burst of energy. I was completely alert for the rest of the day. The drive home, not once did I think about, gosh, I can't wait till I get home so I can get in bed. Um, got home with no problem. And even to the point where God said, hey, there's a couple things that I want you to prepare for tomorrow. So grab your Bible and let's go ahead and chat. And so I went in the living room. My wife was sleeping, but I went in the living room and went up there and, and he showed me a couple of other scriptures to go to um, instead of the original ones that I had planned. OK, all of that, that that happens. And so that's why it's important to understand who Holy Spirit is so we can so he can act be activated in our lives so that we can build the strength that we need to continue on this battle. Because I don't know if you guys notice there's signs all around us about uh, about the end times. Right. There's all sorts of things that we can we can pick up right in Scripture. We're talking about them in Bible study as well, looking at the tribulation period. And so time is definitely definitely getting short. We're not there yet, but we need to make sure that we have the strength that we need to be able to to make it to make it through. Okay, so one of the things Holy Spirit does is he refreshes us and he gives us life. Also, um, the Bible here talks about dry, uh, dry places there in verse 11. Our bones, our bones are, are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off, especially during times of tribulation and, and challenges and, and, and issues. You can feel like you're in a dry place. OK, so having that Holy Spirit anointing and, and, and refreshing, um, if you will, will help that dry place not to be so dry so that you can actually because um, we know what the, what the word of God says about water. And we know physically what water can do for your body and how it how your body's what 70 percent made up of water. So you can't go without water. Um, so if you're in a dry place, tribulation wise um, or trials wise, the thing you should ask yourself is, do I have enough water, a.k.a. do I have enough of the Holy Spirit in my life to be? able to sustain me um, through this dry place the bible also talks about um jesus had said it, he, when he was talking about um an unclean spirit being passed um being cast out how it wanders in a dry place looking for a rest but it doesn't find it so it comes back to find its house its house swept clean right and it brings back with it seven spirits stronger than the other so if you're in a dry place okay you don't want to be there because you might and it's not necessarily mean that the spirit is going to um, possess you because as a child of God, you can't be possessed. But if you are in this dry place in your spiritual life, you got to think about the demons that might be around there trying to keep it dry because it's out there trying to find some rest. So once that house is swept clean, so to speak, so once you rebuke that force of darkness that's wreaking havoc in your life, you've got to fill it with something. OK, you've got to fill it with something that's going to keep that spirit from from coming back in there. I kind of like to visualize it as um, if I've got something going on and, and, and like the spirit of infirmity when it tries to tries to hit me with some sort of sickness, I'll rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And what I kind of in, envision in my mind is when I'm feeling that sickness and, and whatever that might be, I almost kind of envision because he can't get in me. OK, because I'm sealed. But I almost envision him around me and just sticking his claws right into me and, and somewhere, wherever it is that aching or that pain is in my body, him sticking his claws in there. And as soon as I rebuke him in the name of Jesus, I imagine him fleeing, taking his claws out. But then I'm completely empty. 
So then what I do is I ask for the Holy Spirit resurrection healing power to flow from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. What I then start to envision is just this 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 this, this healing liquid that just dumps on my head and it starts to cover me. And then when that spirit of infirmity tries to come back and he tries to stick his claws in me, his claws can't penetrate because now I'm covered. OK, now some may say, oh, that's kind of silly and that seems kind of weird. Well, the reality of it, though, is that is that this stuff isn't silly. It's not weird. This is this is reality. OK, you have to understand that there are forces out there that are trying to oppress us every single moment that they get. OK, so one role of the Holy Spirit is refreshment and giving us life. Another one is that he gives us power. Go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And let's start in, let's just start in verse 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, uh, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Okay. Verse four, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father. And the promise of the father he's talking about the Holy Spirit, but wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Underline that for you shall be baptized, but with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay. In verse 7 there, on the line that it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has uh, put in his own authority. Okay? Um, you have no idea why things may take as long as they do. Okay? You, you, you just never know. You never know what places God has to remove people from in order to get you there. Okay? Or how the person in that position has an impact on you getting to where God needs you to be. Um, you have no idea what's actually happening out there in, in the spirit realm. But when you see that scripture, it should bring some peace. OK, it shouldn't bring a, a questioning of, Lord, why aren't you working? Why aren't you working? It should bring some peace and comfort knowing, OK, it's not for me to know why this has taken this long. It's not for me to even know why I'm going through this. But I do know at some point I'll get through it. And when I do, it's it, it, it'll be all it'll be OK, because we know the Bible says that all things work together for good for those that love God, the call according to his purpose. So if you're operating in God's purpose. Then it doesn't matter what anybody says to you, doesn't matter what anybody does to you, doesn't matter what situation is going on. Doesn't matter the people out there that don't want don't want you to succeed or talk badly about you. You will get to where God needs you to get to. Might not be on your time and you have to be OK with that. But if you're truly walking in God's divine purpose, it doesn't matter what's happening out, out there. You will get to where God wants you to be when he's ready to get you there. Verse eight. But you shall receive power when Holy Spirit has come upon you and you should be shall, shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. OK, so Holy Spirit gives us gives us power. Now, this is not. Don't mistake this as power as like um, I can go out there and I can start, you know, trying to fight a demon or something like that. Like you see in some of these TV shows where, you know, they go out and try to look at a haunted house or something. And they're oh, why don't you push me and why don't you do this and do that? They have no idea what they're getting themselves into. So don't go out there thinking, like, hey, I got Holy Spirit with me. I'm going to go over to that covered bridge that's haunted. And I'm going to find out what this thing is and I'm going to fight it. No, don't do that because you get yourself in a whole lot of a whole lot of trouble. And the Bible talks about making sure that you're not trying to access those things um, like that because it's borderline witchcraft. Um, you still have to understand that as a physical being, 
you have no authority or, or no power over any spiritual uh, over any spiritual being or anything like that. OK, Jesus name is what gives you the authority um, to start rebinding and, and, and loosening. And then it's the power of the Holy Spirit that kicks in and then actually gets rid of that thing. OK, Jesus himself didn't start his ministry until he had the Holy Spirit. OK, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, that's when you see it says um, the spirit of God descended from heaven like a dove. And then, uh, then you can hear God, the father say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And God and Jesus had to walk through with the Holy Spirit to be able to perform his miracles. OK, the disciples, the same, the, the same thing. All right. So it's important to understand that if you want to get to that level, and that's part of that deep walk with God is understanding. Um, and I won't get in, into it because that's a separate message in and of itself. So I won't get into binding and loosing and all of those things. But that is part of that deeper relationship with God as well, because when you have the Holy Spirit and he can and he can operate that way and you want to know, well, why is this happening in my life? You might not know all the intricate details, but you'll know what spirit is in operation when you have things going on in your life or if somebody shares something with you and say, Lord, they're really, really struggling. What's going on over in their life so I can pray for them? Holy Spirit can reveal that to you. Oh, that's the spirit of this. That's the spirit of that. Now, you know, ah, I can go into prayer mode and I can start rebuking that thing in the name of Jesus. OK, so two things we've covered so far in terms of role of Holy Spirit. He refreshes us, gives us life, and he also gives us power. Uh, turn to Romans eight. We just got a few more scriptures to cover. Romans 8, verse 24. And this is some more familiar scriptures, but the beautiful thing about reading the word of God over and over again is that you can read the same scripture 10 times and it'll have a new meaning each one of those times and not that the meanings change it's that the Holy Spirit is revealing something deeper about the scriptures that you're that you're looking at. OK, so God's not schizophrenic. So just because the scripture means one thing to you today and then it means something else tomorrow doesn't mean that, oh, no, God was wrong or my understanding was wrong. It means that now it's getting deeper and deeper. Um, you're getting into that deeper walk so he can actually reveal things that are deeper to you. OK, Romans 24. I'm sorry, Romans 8, verse 24. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. What I like about that is it makes me think of being a kid on Christmas. OK, you give your parents a Christmas list after this long. OK, you have no idea what they actually got. But you give them a list like in September, you know, Christmas isn't until December and you get the Christmas with a JCPenney Christmas catalog we used to get. And you're making this list. Oh, I want this. I want this. Pages and pages. And you eagerly wait for Christmas Day to see what you actually got. OK. No different than this. OK. You got something going on in your life and you're waiting for God to work. Wait for it with eagerness. Wait for it with the same joy that you waited for gifts on on, on Christmas, because when he does work. Oh, it, it'll be it'll be some miracles. He'll do some things that you can't even you can't even imagine. I'm not going to speak from from experience. OK, um, verse 25 again. But we hope for what we do not see. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart, no hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Underline that he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. OK, matter of fact, underline all the 24 through 28 or put a bracket around all of that. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of good scripture there. Uh, but the ones that I want to focus on there are in verse uh, verse 26. But the spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And then in verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So one thing, another thing that Holy Spirit does to us, for us is that he's also our, our spiritual guide. OK, he knows God's mind. He knows how God's God God operates. So if we don't go to him and ask him to guide us, 
how could we expect to get a deeper walk with God? How could we expect us to, to, to be more over, over, overcoming more situations and, and to be blessed and to really, really, really get to that next level, to that next dimension of, of being a Christian? If we don't have the one person that could guide us or the one individual that can guide us, if we don't let them guide us, you go to a foreign country and do and, and go on a tour. You have a tour guide there. Right. That tour guide is going to tell you, oh, yeah, over there is this, over here is that. We're not going to go over there. You don't want to be over there. Um, I talked with someone some months ago that went to um, uh, went to another country there, and they had a, a tour guide with them. And the tour guide told them, they said, okay, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're out past 11 o'clock, I will not be here. And they said, why? They said, because you're an American on foreign soil, and after 11 o'clock, you might be in some trouble. So if I were you, I'd get back to the hotel. And they said, oh, OK. They said, yep, I will leave you here. We're leaving at 1030 to get back to the hotel. And if you're not in the car, I will leave you here. You'll have to find your own way home. Good luck. That's what the tour guide told this person because of the because of the country that we're in. That's what Holy Spirit is to us. OK, that's what he can be for us. He can tell us, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say that. Do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because he knows the, 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 the heart of God. He knows the mind of God. He knows how God operates, because obviously he is part of um, part of part of the Godhead. So he knows everything that, that there is about God. So if we're trying to figure out how to do something, why not go to our spiritual guide? Why not go to our tour guide and say, all right, Holy Spirit, what should I be asking for here? I've got this situation going on in my life. What should I be asking for? I need a car to get to work. And Holy Spirit might say, OK, you think you need a car to get to work? You got two feet, a coat, an umbrella and a bus stop around the corner. You don't need a car right now. To get to work. OK. Or in my case, I need to I need a car so I can get to church. You don't need a car. There's a bike over there. There's a backpack. You can put your book. You can put your Bible in. You got a lock and a chain for the for the bike. Get on the bike. Go to church. OK. But those are the things that we need to understand that Holy Spirit can be our guide. All right. Last scriptures here. Holy Spirit is also our comforter and he reveals truth. Turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And we're going to start in verse 15. So we've established so far that the spirit world is very, very, very real and we have to take it seriously. To get to a deeper dimension with God, we have to activate Holy Spirit in our lives, but we need to understand his role. And one of the role and a few of the roles that he has is he refreshes us and gives us life. He gives us gives us power. He is our guide. And now we're going to look that he is our comforter and reveals truth. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Double underline that. If you love me, keep my commandments. Okay? Like I was talking earlier, when you become saved, you decide to allow Jesus Christ into your life and to be your personal Lord and Savior. The things that you do should change. The things that you say should change. And if you don't, then here's what Jesus is saying. Well, if you love me, keep my commandments. So if things don't change in your life, the question you have to ask yourself is, do you love Jesus? Because if you're not keeping his commandments, you can make an argument that you might not love him as, like you think you do. And I will. So if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper on the line at helper that he may abide with you forever on the line. Abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But, you know, him. For he dwells with you and will be and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. OK, so there we see verse 16. He will give you another helper or comforter. OK, and this is Holy Spirit that he may abide with you forever so that he may live with you. OK, not visit with you, but that he may live with you. So is Holy Spirit living with you or are you just letting him visit with you? OK, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be uh, and will be in you. Okay. So if the Holy Spirit is in you and he's abiding in you, okay, then you should be comforted by whatever it is that's going on in your life. And you should also know the truth about what's going on. Okay. How many times can you go to, you know, 
a church that says they're a Christian church, hear one message on a topic preached there, hear that same topic preached somewhere else and then somewhere else and somewhere else and have them all be different meanings. Okay, how do you discern? Well, which one is right? Which one is not? Or I grew up this way. I grew up in this environment. This is what I was taught about the Bible. But now I'm hearing something else now that I'm that I'm older and I'm out on my own. Well, what's truth? Okay. Well, the Holy Spirit can tell you what's truth. Okay. All right. He's the spirit of truth. When you start looking at uh, what, what politicians say on TV, all right, who do I vote for? Holy Spirit will tell you who to who to vote for. Okay. If somebody else in your life that you love so dearly is going through a major challenge and things just don't seem to be working for them, okay. Holy Spirit can give you some comfort, all right? And the comfort in, might not be what you think it is, all right? A lot of times, they would they say the truth hurts, right? But the truth shall, shall set you free, right? A lot of times when you, somebody tells you the truth, it does hurt, but it should also bring some comfort, okay? Because now it's, it's closure. Oh, I get it now. I don't have to wonder about what's truth and what's not, right? Somebody's going through something, Holy Spirit can come in there and say, okay, don't forget who God is. God is all powerful. God can overcome that situation. It's not for you to worry about. Give it to me and let me take care of it and let me handle it. That should bring about some comfort. That should bring about peace. I know when I've had trials and tribulations in my life, and Lord knows I've had some 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 pretty interesting times, so to speak. Um, but I know in those times when he said to me, just give it to me and let me handle it because there's nothing you can do about it. And as a person that's a problem solver by nature, that's the hardest thing for me to do is to let it go. But when I did, I literally could just feel... I felt like I lost 20 pounds. You know, I even felt taller. I felt like I had much more energy. And, and it was and it, and it was hard to let go. I'm not going to lie, because I could see I could see things happening and it's, oh, I can't do anything about it. But Holy Spirit came in and said, you can't do anything about it. Out of all the things that, you know, out of all the situations that you can solve, this ain't one of them. So just let it be. Let, let me take care of it. OK. And that truth gave me gave me some comfort. All right. Even though it may seem like God has taken forever to deliver you from a situation, do know that Holy Spirit is with you. Okay. Do know that he's taking care of it, and you will be just fine. Okay. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you four things to, uh, to help activate the Holy Spirit in your, in your life. Okay. So we've established that the Holy Spirit is our spiritual guide. He's our comforter and reveals truth. He gives us power, and he can refresh us and give us life. So now the question is, the million dollar question is, how do we start to walk in the spirit? Well, the number one is to ask. Okay. Ask God to help you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Ask him to teach you to know his voice and be able to separate it from your own. Many times Holy Spirit's voice may sound like our voice. Okay. Um, We know that three, there's three voices. There's God, there's the devil, and then there's yourself. So how do you hear Holy Spirit's voice? Ask God to help you hear, uh, help, help you hear his voice. Before you even crack open your Bible, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to, for Holy Spirit to give you uh, his revelation on what you're reading. One of the things that I simply pray every time I, before I before I read is I say, Lord, connect me with connect with me as I see as I seek you in your word. Give me Holy Spirit revelation and let your word be planted as seeds as on fertile soil. OK, I do that every single time before I pick up my Bible. Same thing even before going to church. All right. So ask God to help you hear Holy Spirit and and bring the Holy Spirit with you when you go to study his word. The second thing is to reflect. We've all had that time in our lives where it was uh, we said we've had that gut feeling. Right. We we all kind of know that and you can't quite describe it. But reflect back on those times. You've had that gut feeling about something and you turn and it turned out to be right. There could be a sign there that that was Holy Spirit talking to you. And if you can and if you could understand what that feeling is, it might even be a physical manifestation. If you can understand what that is, that might be a good way to be able to say, yeah, I think this is the Holy Spirit talking to me. For me, I know there's two things when he's trying to talk to me about something, especially when I'm resting. One, if he wakes me up at the same time every single morning, usually it's about three o'clock. Okay, anywhere between three and three thirty four a period of time. It'll be down to the minute he wakes me up. I know he's trying to say something. The other thing I know is that and this usually happens when there's a, um, a situation going on that I'm not aware of. I'll feel kind of like a, a tugging on the bottom of my heart. OK, and that's that's a, a physical manifestation that, that tells me, 
okay, I need to talk to Holy Spirit. Something, so, there's something he's trying to warn me about. And that's how I know that, that he's talking to me. So look back on those things and see, are there certain signs that are pointing to this is the Holy Spirit actually talking to you? The third thing is to listen and act accordingly to his instruction. Holy Spirit tells you to do something, do it. He tells you not to do something, don't do it. If he says something to you, tells you to say something, say it. If he tells you to keep quiet, then keep quiet. Because this is absolutely critical, absolutely critical. You can ask Holy Spirit to talk to you all you want. It's not going to do you any good if you don't actually do what he's telling you to do. Okay, Um, and I won't get there's a lot of scriptures that you can look at and see what happens when people don't follow God's uh, God's calling and and how that can can have impacts. And you see what happened to Israel um, wandering for 40 years because they kept provoking God. You don't want to do that. Okay, so when he tells you to do something, make sure you listen and you act accordingly. Give yourself enough time to to listen to him after you pray. If you've got to be to work in 20 minutes, you probably don't want to get on your knees for the next 20 minutes and try to pray because it might not be enough time. You might want to do that earlier, okay? Or set set aside some time in your schedule. The last thing to do, watch for the signs and confirmations, okay? When you're faced with choices and you're not quite sure what to do, Look for signs. Look for confirmations. Sometimes their writing is on the wall pretty, pretty easily. It's blatant. It jumps out in front of you. Sometimes it might not be. Um, I, I never thought in a million years that I would be up here preaching. <laughs> but I actually remember some t- somebody in the, in the leadership class one time didn't know anything about me. We were talking about public speaking. I told him, I said, I hate public speaking. So that whole idea of all eyes on you while you're up there talking. I said, I cannot stand it. I said, I hate it. She said to me, oh, wow. She said, but you're really good at that. I can actually see you preaching. And I looked and I thought to myself and I said, hmm? I said, oh, okay. All right, Lord, if this is what you're calling me to do, then I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And whatever happens after that is going to happen. You know, and I made that decision, you know, several, several years ago. So wherever he's going to take me is where he's going to take me. But look for signs, look for confirmations. The Bible talks about trying the spirits, you know, so if you think it's something that God wants you to do, Lord, I think this is you. Give me a sign about it. It's okay to do that. Just be careful that you're not asking for a sign because you don't want to do what you know that you need to do. Okay, there's a big difference to ask for confirmation and then there's. The difference between that and then actually stalling and saying, I'm going to ask God one more time because I don't really want to do what he's telling me to do. Okay, so the four things to activate the Holy Spirit in your life or how to walk in the spirit. Ask God to help you hear Holy Spirit's voice. Uh, Reflect back on times when you've had that gut feeling to see if there's if that's Holy Spirit talking to you. Listen and act accordingly and then watch for the signs and confirmations. Amen. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you, and let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.